Hey everyone, this is Brandon Shields, and today is Friday, April 17th, 2020. Welcome to episode two of our new podcast initiative designed to help you figure out what it looks like to practice the way of Jesus together in a time of global pandemic. Well, last week was Holy Week in the church calendar, and I mentioned in my Easter Sunday sermon here at Soma how bizarre it was to be feeling a deep sense of sadness and grief in the midst of the joy of the resurrection. While certainly that was the situation that the early disciples of Jesus were facing as they were huddled together in fear, that was new for me as an American pastor. This wave of sadness kind of snuck up on me, as most of my emotions tend to do. More and more, I find myself, as the pandemic goes on, grieving the little things that this virus has taken from our church's embodied life together. I miss lingering in the lobby before and after Sunday services, exchanging handshakes or hugs or laughs with our people. I miss singing and praying and lifting our hands together in worship. I miss extending a hand at the end of the service and looking out into our people's eyes and saying, peace be with you, as we send them back out into their neighborhoods for the week. I miss watching people put their arms around a hurting friend to listen to them and pray for them and cry with them. These are just a few of the many things that I miss about gathering together physically. Apparently, I'm not the only one who's grieving at this moment. Harvard Business Review had an article that went viral. They said it was the most read, one of the most read articles ever. Um, and it was called That Discomfort You're Feeling is Grief. They interviewed a guy named David Kessler, who worked for decades in a hospital system in Los Angeles, and who's authored several books on grief and who's the founder of a website called grief.com, one of the most read websites on grief in the world. And he talked about how the transition caused by the pandemic has triggered many different kinds of grief, grief, both on a micro level and a macro level. Things are changing and we are grieving. I don't know about you, but I have a really hard time with grief. I grew up in a family system where we didn't talk about our emotions, particularly the more difficult ones like anger or shame or fear or sadness. Even when I became a Christian as a teenager, the church tradition I was a part of was mostly silent about our emotions. And when we did talk about them, it was usually pretty skeptical. I heard you can't trust your emotions over and over and over again. And so I just learned, I think, implicitly to minimize or even demonize the role emotions played in my humanity. Ten years ago, even the worst question you could ask me was, how are you feeling? I was so out of touch with my body that all I could feel was an emotional emptiness and void, which I mostly ignored by keeping myself busy with work and thinking. And that worked for a season, but then our family experienced a series of really painful events that God used to get my attention to wake me up to how my lack of emotional awareness and connectedness was crippling my ability to love God and love my family well. During that time, I read a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by a guy named Pete Scazzaro. And I'll never forget this one line that just blew me up. And here's what he said. Emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. I realized then that my tendency to downplay or deny my feelings was not only unhelpful, but unbiblical. It was impairing my ability to love God, to love others, and even to love myself in a way that was healthy. 
So I started a journey of rediscovering my emotional world. One of the things that Kessler said in this Harvard Business article that is really helpful is the importance of naming our grief in this time of pandemic. He says, emotions need motion. We need to feel our feelings if we're going to move through this moment of trauma and crisis. And I think that Kessler here is onto something, but he's not saying anything new. In fact, he's merely affirming something that scripture and church history and spiritual writers have been saying to Christians for thousands of years. And that's simply this, that emotions are an important dimension of our humanity, and they must be stewarded or discipled if we're going to lead healthy and whole lives as apprentices of Jesus. And I think that starts, as he says, with naming our emotions. Now, if you're like me, maybe you need some help developing an emotional lexicon or vocabulary. That's why I've come to love personally the book of Psalms over the last decade. I now spend at least a few minutes each day meditating on a psalm. In the Psalms, we see the full range of human emotions on display as the church's songwriters pour out their hearts to God, their anger. We see their fear, their anxiety, shame, guilt, loneliness, sadness, gladness. These are all emotional categories that the Bible gives us to express what's happening inside of us and in our bodies. At times, the emotions are so raw in the Psalms that they seem almost inappropriate or blasphemous. And that's the point. God is inviting us to bring our honest, uncensored selves before him in prayer and praise and lament. We see in times of worship or revival or war or plague or disease or depression or tragedy that God wants us to name our emotions, to feel our feelings, but to do so in his presence so that he can hold them and transform them for his redemptive purposes. That's what it means to steward or disciple our emotions, to acknowledge them, to name them and then to bring them before God so that he can provide healing. So let me ask you this question as we close today. How are you feeling today? Are you even aware? Are you in touch with what's really happening in your heart and in your body right now? Are you bringing those feelings before God regularly with vulnerability and crying out for his presence to meet you in those spaces and places? I want to read a little portion of Psalm 77. And I want to encourage you, whether you're at home, in your kitchen, or on the couch, or riding in a car, or out for a walk, I just want to encourage you to stop right now, to pause, to take a deep breath, to breathe in God's grace, to breathe out your anxieties, your worries, your sadness. Put your feet on the floor. Feel your body. Maybe you need even to take a hand, put it on your stomach, And just literally feel what's happening in your body. Listen for God's still, small voice of love speaking to you and inviting you to be present to him right now in this moment. Hear these words from Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. My hands were continually lifted up all night long. I refuse to be comforted. I think of God. I groan. I meditate. My spirit becomes weak. You have kept me from closing my eyes. I am troubled and cannot speak. I consider days of old, years long past. At night, I remember my music. I meditate in my heart and my spirit ponders. 
Will the Lord reject forever and never again show favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? So I say, I am grieved that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. God, your way is holy. What God is great like God? You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among the peoples. With power, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. May God give you the courage today to be honest about your feelings, to name your feelings, to hold them before God, to bring them into his presence and allow him to hold them and heal them and transform them. Grace and peace to you as you go out to the rest of this day and this weekend.